Lent is a season of renewal. It's when we really kind of center and focus ourselves upon our relationship with God and and are we uh, truly living in the way that God has called us to or are we not living in the way and and what do we need to do to remove those barriers to to break down those walls so that way we can let God into our lives because God is there waiting for us and knocking at our doors to say let me in and when we let God into our lives, it shapes us and changes us so much so that we talk, that transformation that we talk about occurs when we let go. And, and the only way that we can truly let go is we have to reflect. It's one of the reasons why I love Lent. It forces us to reflect about our relationship with God. In uh, 1742, the founder of the Methodist movement, John Wesley, maybe you've heard of him, uh, he wrote this little pamphlet called The Character of a Methodist. In this, char- char- in this little pamphlet, he, he laid down some foundational work of, of what it really means to be a Methodist, but not just a Methodist, a follower of Jesus. What are some ways that we can live into um, being a true follower of Jesus? Jump ahead a couple of hundred years, and it inspired a man by the name of Steve Harper to, to write this book called Five Marks of a Methodist. The fruit of a living faith. And in this book, he looks at these five marks of a Methodist and, and really asks ourselves are we embodying these marks or characteristics? The marks that we're going to look at and the marks that we've already talked about is the first one is Does a Methodist love God? And if you remember, as I shared with you last week, I invited you that the the mark of discipleship isn't a call to increase our love. It's not about increasing our love. We can increase our love all we want to. But until we accept the love that God gives to us, it's hard to go anywhere. And so a Methodist loves God. Today we're going to talk about a Methodist rejoices in God. And what does that mean for us today as we, as we live about a time that, that sometimes kills all of our joy? And then we know that a Methodist gives thanks. And a Methodist prays consistently. And then a Methodist offers love for others. In this week's chapter, Harper asks this really interesting question. What role does joy play in following Christ? What role does joy play in following Christ? What does it play? Like, do you do joyfully follow Jesus? Like, are you willing to be happy even though when things may be a little bit tough, knowing that Jesus is right there by your side? Or are you willing to, to live a life full of grace, knowing that sometimes we're going to mess up along the way, and that the best way that we can receive that grace is by laughing at ourselves when we've messed up, and saying, yes, I've messed up. And I haven't been perfect. But what joy does, what does joy play in your role of following Jesus? When you invite someone to church, like I, I pray that you invite somebody every week. Now, here's what I tell the girls. They're going to tell you no. You're going to get more no's than you get yeses. But it's when we stop asking, that's when it hurts the church. When, when we stop asking because somebody has said no three weeks in a row, it could have been that fourth week, could have been the week that they said yes. Or it could have been like in my case, you know, in my case and in my story, in my faith journey, it was the preacher's daughter asking a friend to come to church and I invited myself to church. 
If you're going to take Ryan, you're going to come get me, right? We never know how we joyfully offer ourselves to others can shape and change the world. That's why I love acronym. The acronym for joy is really joyfully offering yourself. Maybe you remember a couple of Christmas Eves ago when I preached about that. But when we joyfully offer ourselves or yourself joy, people want to be a part of that. People want to be connected to that. People want to see why you joyfully follow Jesus. People want to know why you follow Jesus. And it can be as simple as, hey man, I went through a rough time. And, and even in that rough time, having, knowing that Jesus was there with me helped me through that rough time. We don't joyfully share our stories. Every one of you has a faith story. Every one of you has a faith story that matters. And, and, and I want to encourage you to find ways to share that story. Now, you don't have to go stand on the, the corner of, uh, of college in Muskogee or Muskogee and, and, and just you know, shout it from the rooftops of your joy of Jesus, but you can share it with your friends and your family and your loved ones. When we joyfully offer ourselves, it shapes us and changes us. Harper reminds us that joy is a mark of discipleship that gives us confidence and courage. Think of a toddler. You know, you know we, we have, we're, we're, we've been around toddlers lately. If you've been to church lately, we've had a few toddlers in worship. And they're joyfully offering themselves. Jumping here and there and everywhere. Jumping off things. Jumping on things. Making noises. Why can't we do that? Now, some of you do have physical limitations. Please don't be jumping on things and jumping off things. Consult your doctor before doing that. But what if we joyfully offered ourselves in worship? What if we were that person that can't sing in tune, but by gosh, we're going to joyfully sing and joyfully make a noise? What if we were that person? What if, as, as prayers were read, we joyfully offered ourselves to God in this time and space, and, and we prayed the prayers earnestly and honestly, not just monotonely and deathly? What if we offered joy to what we did? What if you were asked to lead an uh, elementary Sunday school class, and, and the fear is there, but you showed them joy? They'll remember that. And that's what will change them and shape them. Joy is a mark of discipleship that gives us that courage and confidence. You know, when you, when you have the joy that you're going to do this, like you become undefeatable. That nobody's going to stop you because you have joy. You get that joy, joy, joy down in your heart. And when you joyfully offer yourself to the world, it helps change it. Nobody wants to be around a Debbie Downer, do they? Nobody wants to be around that person that just brings you down. They want you, you want to bring around those people that are joyful and, and exciting and, and because you want that energy or maybe you need to see that joy in their life because that might help you in the things that are going on in yours. And, and far too often we, we come to church or we come to worship like this. We just have no energy. And we're defeated because maybe we're tired or 
I mean, you know, today is a great day to, to, to say that we're tired because we lost an hour of sleep today. But what if in that lost hour we can find joy? What if we joyfully offered ourselves? What would that look like for you? It would look different for each and every one of us, but that's how God created us to be. What if we were willing to joyfully serve Jesus and, and that calling that we have on our heart, maybe that announcement to Camp Egan, like, you know, I could go. I can rake leaves. I can do a little bit. E. Stanley Jones, a famous Methodist um, evangelist, he has this great word for us today. Joy is the byproduct of love. Joy is the byproduct of love. So, if we receive the love that God gives us, if we receive that love, the next step is to joyfully offer it to the world. Because it's a byproduct of that love that God gives us. But we can't do the joy part until we do the receiving part. And so we have to receive that love that God has for us, and, and, and we have to allow it to work on us. But then that next step, it's not about just working on us, because we can allow that just to stew in there, and we're not doing what we're really called to do, because the next step is to share it with the world. Joy is a byproduct of love. And when we joyfully offer ourselves, we're sharing God's grace to the world. We're sharing that love that we talk about all too often around here. And when we do it with joy, man, it, it's infectious. There is an often misquoted, attributed to John Wesley quote that says, if you catch on fire, they'll come for miles to watch you burn. And sometimes it's given to John Wesley. Wesley never said that or wrote that. But there's some truth in that. If you show joy, people will come to be with you. So what do you need to do to show joy? First, I think you need to receive God's love. I think that can help you with some of the things you're dealing with. Second, acknowledge that some things are out of your power and there are things you can't control and there are things you can't do. And you have to enjoy it anyway. Third, and this is to me the biggest step, just share joy. Just do it. And, and yes, it's hard. And yes, those of you that know me, I'm not one to be joy. So that we can bring joy to the world. That we believe that Christ's love has come into the world to change it, to make it better. So go and joyfully offer yourself to the world and see what happens this week. Let us pray. Lord, we know that your love uh, is amazing and it's there for us to accept. So Lord, help us accept your love and, and help us in our lives, Lord, be glorified to you that, that in everything we do, every step and every breath that we take, we are reminded that you love us and you care for us. Lord, as we go about our spring breaks or our daily lives, may you remind us that you love us and you care for us and all you want from us is to receive that love so that we can share that love with the world. Lord, help us be joyful in this day. And all of us gathered here said, Amen.